0: all right welcome back everybody i'm here this week with matt and uh we'll kind of get into how we met and how we got into contact but first i'll let you introduce yourself matt and uh kind of yeah say whatever you'd like to about yourself how's it going
1: uh good yeah my name's matt i i hail from the glorious city of lethbridge alberta i'm <laughs> um, i've only been living there since 2018 but i'm originally from Calgary, born and raised, and uh, moved to Lethbridge to work as a firefighter paramedic. I'm currently on paternity leave, as I was um, put on, well, which you'll get into, but I was put on, um, I was put on leave without pay, essentially. And then uh, my kid was born three days after that date, which was just like, the best coincidence ever. So then I said, put me on pat leave. And uh they there was a bit of pushback, but then they did it. Um I have a a wife and two or three children now with, with the the son that allowed me to go on pat leave instead of leave without pay. So that was kind of nice. That's
0: great. Yeah, I, I figured, I figured as we will kind of get back into your family and the stressors involved in that, because I cannot imagine again, being a father of four, like, and then being told that I'm suspended without pay. I can't. No, imagine. three. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I, I just mean like, as a father of four, I, I can just, I can relate to that perfectly. <laughs> so, right. so anyway, so I figured I'd, I'd read the post that you made public that actually got us in contact with each other first, and then we can kind of just deep dive into it after that. So. If you'll give me just a minute here, I'll I'll read it. So uh, last night was potentially the last shift I and others will ever have serving the community as a paramedic and firefighter. On December 1st, 2021, we'll be put on indefinite leave of absence without pay. It was a sweet three and a half years in Lethbridge and seven total years on the ambulance in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Though I'm disappointed with the leadership at the Lethbridge Fire Department and thoroughly disgusted by Alberta Health Services, I don't regret one day that I was able to serve and grow as a firefighter paramedic. I made friends and I've had countless disagreements with fellow medics, but I wish them all the best. I've learned many things from paramedics and firefighters in Lethbridge, and though I differ in a worldview from many, I respect them and what I have learned from them. This hardship has caused growth, and I hope that in taking a stand for my God-given rights and freedoms, I can see my children raised in a free country where they are not judged for the color of their skin or what medication they put under their own skin, but for the quality of their words and actions. I was asked by a fellow firefighter, is this hill worth dying on? Without hesitation, I said yes. If I was able to work the past 20 months without giving the state ownership of my body, then why would I start now? And I found you do go on a little bit more, but I just I figured we cut it off there because that does kind of close it out really well. Um, I found uh, I remember seeing that post and well, we can get into it because, you know, it, it was about four months ago that you had posted that. And then we just got in contact the other day. Um, but when you posted that, what
1: what was the response that you got? So pretty much immediately after posting that, I believe it was November 28th that I posted it. And then, yeah, I think it was 28th or 27th. But um, after that, I could even back up a little bit too, because I, I brought that cake to work. <laughs> sure. I,
0: I love that picture too. If, if you're all right with it, I wouldn't mind um, posting that as like the, the uh, episode just, the the image oh, for the totally. episode, yeah. okay, sweet, because I
1: love that cake. the the original picture was me and another dissident from work. Yep. And uh, and then I didn't think it would get this much attention, but anyways, I brought it to work, and a lot of the I was even nervous of bringing it to work because a lot of the guys there um, are on the other side of the argument at, that were at my fire hall and they weren't too pleased they kind of laughed about it and then the captain at that hall actually said he didn't want any cake even though i know he loves sweet things but i think it was more the principle of eating the cake right but anyways um the i got someone to take a picture and and then i i was just like man this needs to go on facebook Mm -hmm. and i need to talk about this um So I put it on Facebook, I believe it was the 28th. And then we were off work on the first, but then of course, AHS changed their mind last minute on the first and they extended it to December 13th. But, uh, that cake picture, it just blew up on the internet in like four days. It had, um, over 8,000 reactions, Wow. and I don't know how many shares, maybe like 4,000 shares. And I was actually, cause, cause I didn't have work. So I think it was on the first, it was on a Monday, but my friend, he's a farmer and he offered for me to help work on his, his equipment. And I'm literally like underneath this giant, uh, like seed, uh, roller. I don't even know what they're called, but it's a cedar and it has like all these different rollers on it. And I had to replace them. And I'm like underneath this thing laying down and then my friend who is in the picture, he calls me up. And I think the last I checked, it was at like 2000 reactions 2000. and he calls me up and he's like, <laughs> Hey man, can you take that picture down? It's at, it's over 4,000 or nine. At this point it was, it was ridiculously high.
0: And so did that original picture have him in it as well?
1: Yeah. and it Yeah, it did. And, okay. uh, I, I took it down and then I didn't replace it with the one with me until I got home and finished work. Like I took it down right away for his sake. Cause I was like, sorry, I didn't even ask his permission. I should have. Right. Um, and he said it caused a lot of, um, tension between him and family members. And, and I, I was like, okay, man, I'll, I'll take it down. I'm sorry. I just, he's like, I know it's good. We need to get out there. We need to like make this public. This is good, but can you just take it down for me? And, and I I kind of wish I left just a picture of me on there, but I thought that one looked much better.
0: I can understand that. And I I also just wanted to say before we get further into the story too, that the, because nobody's going to be seeing this right now, but the cake says forced into early retirement, thanks to LFD and AHS. So that's Lethbridge fire department and Alberta health services. So just sorry, because it's not a, a visual, a visual thing here. So sorry, go on.
1: Yeah. And then I think later that week, midweek, when the momentum kind of waned, I posted the picture of just me. Um, but yeah, I really, I got a lot of hate from that by tons of people. I didn't even know. A lot of them were from the States. Um like people from Australia, people from like South Africa, Ireland. There was a lot of hate in the comment sections, but there was, I think, I mean, I didn't look at all of it because there's so much, but there was a lot of love too. Mm-hmm. And then I got some private messages. That's how I met you. But for some reason, like the majority of the private messages went to spam and then a bunch of the other ones were, were not in my spam folder. And they were mostly all positive. But I had like, I had like three people who were just insulting me. And it was, it was actually just kind of funny. Like didn't even have anything to do with a vaccine, but in their messages, they said something like your kids are ugly. And I'm like, okay,
0: really? That, that was the attack.
1: Like really petty, really stupid. Um, I just kind of had fun with it. And, and like, honestly, a lot of the comments were, were just the same generic vitriol that you hear from, from anywhere, right? Like plague rat, Right. Um, you know, like you're good thing you're not in healthcare because you're an idiot. Um, but I mean, it wasn't really that, I mean, I think people were trying to be insulting, but it wasn't really that hurtful because I work in a fire hall. Like (laughs) we insult each other for a living just for fun. (laughs) So, um, yeah, those people didn't try hard enough or they, they just were repeating what they hear the culture say. Right. So.
0: Oh man. Well, I, I find that interesting for him if you, few points of view, because for one, uh, when you talk about, you know, they didn't, they weren't trying very hard enough. You, you work in a fire hall, like that's the same on a construction site, right? So <laughs> I think it contributes to having a, a pretty thick skin to that kind of stuff. You have a pretty high, uh, high tolerance for people making fun of you. Um, but what I also find interesting, especially with that, that comment, like attacking your family and your kids is that, you know, usually, if, somebody, if somebody's going to attack something like that, they don't actually have an argument against what you're saying when they resort to personal attacks like that. And I find that pretty telling right away. If people aren't going to actually debate or argue the body of your statement and they're instead going to go at personal attacks, I think that that already means they've lost, you know, if they're resorting to that. So I think, um, I think that's pretty telling. Like uh, that's the way I at least view it whenever anybody says anything to me online or i get comments or messages like that if it's not attacking the meat of the argument then i i chalk it up as a w already
1: yeah i completely agree it's it's i've watched a lot of debates and uh in the debate world it's called ad hominem which in the latin means against the man Mm -hmm. and that's that's all they do they don't go against the argument they go against the human and that just means it's a straw man because they're diverting from the actual issue and they can't argue the issue. So let's call you a play grad. Oh, that's easy to argue because you are full of disease and you spread it. Therefore I win the argument and I insult you at the same time, but right. really it's, it doesn't deal with the science. It doesn't deal with the facts. It doesn't deal with natural immunity. It doesn't deal with anything. It's just simply meant to, shut you down and then we're not going to have conversation anymore that's that is exactly it yeah it doesn't
0: even come down to like the moral implications of this of this argument or anything like it, it doesn't it doesn't get into anything that's actually matters and i i couldn't agree more with you i think it's why um well this this could kind of roll into another thing like what what makes you I don't know because I've been trying to bat this idea around like because some people do really get bothered by those comments even though they're kind of like surface level attacks like it's nothing I don't know like none of it attacks my character to me like I don't feel like it's it's anything that really challenges me maybe again it's being in construction or like you in the fire hall but what makes you kind of just not care about those comments and what do you think Why why do you think some people let them get to them so much and that because I think that is why a lot of people don't speak out against against this, even if they do feel very strongly, you know, the way that you do or that I do. But that's why they they don't make it public because they are worried about getting these little attacks. But where do you think the difference is in that?
1: I think it lies in um, for me, at least it lies in my identity because I don't. I don't. Like, I love my job, and I I love being a paramedic and helping people and being a firefighter, but I don't identify as being a firefighter or paramedic. That's my job. That's not who I am. And I think for a lot of guys who have struggled with this, who I respect, and, you know, everyone has to make their own decisions, but at the end of the day, like, maybe it's also because I – had only been there three and a half years. Um, but a lot of guys, they chose not to be public, even though they disagreed with it, they chose not to even, they chose to even get the vaccine because, well, this is, this is who I am. I'm a firefighter paramedic. This is my job. I've been here this long, 13 plus years, some less, some more. Um, and they, they don't know, understandably, they don't know what the future will bring, therefore, this is kind of scary waters for them. E- even to speak out, like even at the fire hall to speak out of, about it, unless you were, unless your personality was loud and boisterous and that's kind of who you are. It actually did shock me, even some of the loud, boisterous ones they that I thought would speak out against it didn't. and they got quiet. And
0: would you classify yourself as a loud boisterous person? Because in talking to yep. you in the few, few times that we've talked, I don't, I don't get that sense from you.
1: No, like I definitely can be
0: right. I, I feel this. I feel the same way because I've never, I've never identified as somebody who's yeah, loud or outspoken or anything. And then all of a sudden this hit 18 months ago or whatever, two years ago and something just woke up. Like I I've never, what, for example, what really stood out in that original post you said was when you were confronted by, is this a hill you're willing to die on? And you said, yes, like, absolutely, without hesitation. And that was the exact same way that I felt. And I find it, I find it kind of interesting, because I've never felt that way before. And I've never felt the desire to really speak out to this extent, at any other point in my life. And so it's just it's interesting to hear you say this, because I can, I don't know, I kind of relate to a lot of it. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's interesting to hear it said from your point of view.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think these ideals were instilled like growing up in a in a Christian home, but also my dad is from Czechoslovakia and he told us stories of growing up in communism and how terrible it was like he would literally be waiting on the side of the road with his bicycle purposely waiting for a car to run over rabbit. And that car, the person in the vehicle would, would then race my dad to this dead rabbit so they could bring it home and eat it because you weren't allowed to hunt. You could only have so many chickens for eggs. um, You could only kill so many chickens. Like you'd have to wait in the bread lines. And when they did, like there were four of them, him and his three siblings and then his parents, so that makes six people, they would often be left with like a rotten piece of pork the size of your fist that they would have to share among the six of them. And that was only once a week. And they would so like he he raised me with all these stories in the back of my mind and just just hearing the government oppression that he escaped to come to Canada. So um, I started seeing hints of that, like early on in, in, in Alberta, my initial fight was with the churches um, because I know people at church where goes. And I, I started to get to know people at church um, in Calgary. So that was my initial fight. And like guys at work who you know, had issue with it, or even some of the Christians that I thought would be for it were against it. And they were just like, Oh, man, you just keep going on about this church thing about fighting for the churches, the separation of church and state. Oh, my, like, you just keep going on. And it kind of just, I guess that started to wake me up. And it just shocked me that um, a bunch of Christians would be would be so okay with Oh yeah, we can do church at home. We can just do church over Skype. We we don't have to go in. We don't have to see each other. We don't have to sing together. Like, and it just showed me a very um, blatant ignorance of what the, what the Bible actually says about being a Christian. So, I that was my initial fight, and um, and I tried to get religious exemptions for the vaccine as well which got denied like four times mm-hmm. um and and even and I even had people ask me like so why why don't you want to get it and and I was happy to discuss it it was it was when there was silence and awkwardness or tension that I I didn't like it but when people straight up asked me like what your view is I'm like oh I'll gladly tell you <laughs>
0: That's funny. I I had the exact same view. If I got if I got the sense that somebody was genuinely interested, I I had no problem opening up about it. I I loved it. It kind of cut the tension and you could actually have a discussion. You could get to know like we could get to know each other as people. Like I found it specifically with different customers that I had have.
1: Yeah. Even if they were challenging about it, it was like Absolutely. Sure, challenge me. I'm glad you're challenging me. And and one guy at work who him and I like kind of butt heads like we would joke sarcastically at each other and then with this issue he just straight up asked me he's like hey why like are you crazy and you think that people aren't in the ICU with covid like you're not that far gone are you um but like why and i just said to him i'm like look man for me i think it's a variety of reasons uh, the first one, and I was saying this when guys were getting the vaccine before it was mandatory, I was just like, I'm going to wait five years, I'm going to see what it does, I'm going to wait, because it's new, I don't know what it's going to do, I'm going to wait. And guys were like, oh yeah, that's wise, and then as, I think that was 20, 2021, pretty early on, and as the year progressed, people watched more and more news, and they were they were starting to get a little pushier with me. But my second reason is just even if they wanted to put saline in me and I knew that it would have no harm on my body, I would not want to give the government that kind of power because it's wrong.
0: I'm with you. And it's it's interesting. I'm I'm 100% with you to me. Yeah. And I've, I've had all those same discussions, too, where people kind of start at the straw man argument of what somebody who doesn't who isn't. Um, vaccinated like they start from that point right like are you crazy like do you not believe any of this is true and i'm like no 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 like and then you kind of walk back from that right and i find it i find it interesting because that that description that you gave is um is the same one that i've ran into a lot and obviously it's because that's how people are painted in the media and whatever but it's it's always interesting to walk back from that straw man figure and then really kind of build up your own argument i i enjoy doing that as well but what i also want to touch on that i find interesting is that you you said that you come from, so you're, I guess you would be a first generation Canadian Were you, you born here, but your dad was born in Czech.
1: Yeah. 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 My mom was born here, but her parents were born in, in Austria and Italy.
0: Okay. So I find it, I find it interesting because some of the people that I know who are most outspoken as well about everything that's taken place in Canada over the past, you know, especially the past 12 months. um, But the one in particular that I'm thinking of, he's from, Romania and Hungary. And he grew up under uh, communist rule as well. And it's just, it's interesting to hear. It sounds like the way that your father grew up and the way that he relates the government overreach back then in his home country is the exact same way that he used to be one of my co-workers. He's now started his own company, but he, uh, it's the same way that he kind of relates growing up and how he views what's going on now. And so, It's interesting to hear that, that there's a lot of correlations because a lot of people who I see even online who speak up about it from within Canada say that they grew up in a communist dictatorship or they grew up in whatever, some authoritarian state or they're a first generation Canadian. They hear these stories from their parents. It's interesting. I think I don't think enough people heed enough warning to those to those people, people with that lived experience. They they can spot the parallels. They can see you know where these these lines of thought can lead to and i just i find that really fascinating because i've i have somebody in my life who's who's relayed those same kind of stories to me
1: yeah yeah uh, honestly we need to listen to those dissident voices right like
0: totally and you've got you're going to have people in society that like that's that is part of their value right like they have these different life experiences they've they've seen other areas of the world and to just you know especially in a in a in a time period where everything is about people's personal subjective experience but then if somebody has a personal view that goes against the current day zeitgeist it's like oh no 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 not that view not not that lived experience we don't need to hear about that we'll hear about everybody else's lived experience of persecution but not yours because that that goes against today's zeitgeist
1: it goes against the narrative yep yep yeah. and i i actually I was pretty shocked, um, I think it was 2020, when the vaccines, was that when they were starting to be available, like, summer of 2020 in, in Canada?
0: I keep thinking, I think it's in the fall, because I don't know if you remember correctly, but we had, like, there was that big, um, you know, debacle about how, oh, like, Trudeau is fucked up the vaccine rollout, it's too slow. Anyway, but yeah, I think, I think it ended up being the fall slash winter of 2020.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I I know people before that point were already talking about yeah yeah we're gonna get it we're gonna get it, and I spoke with a, a paramedic who had been paramedic for like probably longer than I was alive or at least the same amount of time, and oh no it must it must have been 2021 because he he asked me like oh when are you getting it I'm like I'm not he's like oh what. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh it led into it erupted into quite a heated argument but he his first response his first rebuttal was like well aren't you worried about killing your older father like your senior father i'm like what like well what about everybody who had covid what about natural immunity and and i'll and i'll never forget this but he looked me straight in the eyes and said natural immunity is a myth and because at this point there wasn't enough studies on them but still i you don't need a lot of studies to know that viruses since the beginning of viruses have given people natural immunity when whenever you've gotten that virus so it just i didn't even know what to say i was kind of speechless but that's what people were saying like in the, in 2020, early 2021, they were saying like, no, there's no, you can, it's a new virus. There's no natural immunity, but it's like, how can you, if, if you just stop and think this is such a new virus and yet there's no long-term studies. So how can you say there's no natural immunity? And how can you say on the other hand, that the vaccines are safe when there's no long-term studies on either? So I wasn't I wasn't willing to throw out either option, like whether the vaccine's safe or not or whether there's natural immunity. But let's just wait and see.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I had the exact same view as you again, because we actually and I can't I, I say this always with the caveat that. We didn't have access to rapid testing at the beginning, obviously. We didn't have access to a PCR testing, any testing at the beginning, right? When the, the first rollout, the first wave hit Vancouver or BC, I should say, uh, March 11th. I know that date because my son was born March 8th. And three days later, we went into lockdown and we've been in lockdown ever since. So on, uh, but on March 11th, <clears throat> when that first, we had a really big spike of cases in that month leading up the ramp up. And I'm again, 99% sure. Barring a positive test, but we had all the same symptoms of the alpha variant, and so we got it like the end of February in 2020. And then, so then when these when they started to roll out, I said, "Well, you know, like we've had it. I'm I'm not too concerned. I don't know what else it's going to do for us, considering it's built to protect against the original strain." I said we've already had the original strain. I'm just going to wait. Um, we're we're good, right? Type thing. I had the exact same mentality as you. And uh, yeah, then as, as things have progressed, you know, it's, everything's evolved. Everything's changed. It's just been, it's been wild, but I, I'm with you. Like I, I enjoy having those conversations. I like being able to kind of build up this side of the argument and show that not everybody's just, just a, a lunatic who thinks they're getting microchips implanted and, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. Like it's, it's good to actually put a face and some humanity to this side of the argument as well. Um, but one one thing that I wanted to get back to with your personal experiences, you know, after that initial thing had happened in in December, and you made that that post online, and you got some flack personally and with colleagues, have any of those people come around? Kind of just in the way that things have progressed, you know, how we've seen the the lack of efficacy as, as far as you know blocking transmission or spread of any of the virus. Like, have anybody has anybody come back around to you? And kind of maybe change their view or apologize or anything has there has there been any of that
1: um i uh i don't think so like i i had a meeting with work because i again the the mandate in alberta was extended to the 13th of december so i was able to go back and then i would have worked we call them a tour like your four-day rotation. So I would have been able to work one extra tour before I was put on LOA again on the 13th. Okay. So I had to go in for a meeting before that. And it was a punitive meeting about about that picture. And my the chiefs actually had the picture in their hands. And they showed it to me. And we had, like, I, I basically, I went in there not the happiest. And I basically just told them like, unless you're firing me um, like, just, just tell me now and don't waste my time because this, you're like dangling this carrot in front of me by saying you're still employed, but you have to do this. You have to go against your conscience and basically give us, give us your body or, or you're not getting paid. So I was pretty frustrated and I didn't even sit down the whole time. I said, this will just, I'll give you five minutes and then give me what you have to say. And then I'll leave. I ended up standing there for 25 because I actually wanted to hear what they had to say. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that 25 minutes, um, I was still told, uh, we still need to talk about this, this picture. And I was like, what do you mean? That's what this was, that wasn't that this whole conversation He's like, no, there's going to be discipline for this picture well um if i if i decide to go back then basically i will stand under some kind of trial and discipline and and two guys have already gone back and they were basically given a form saying that you have to be willing to um Work well with others. It basically like a a sort of forced apology, is on what your they end do on our end. So we, on your end,
0: oh yeah. my god the
1: victims who have been put out of work for three months now. We are the ones who cause division, and we are the ones who who have to apologize. And that's the thing that frustrates me the most. Um and and I've heard from other guys that still work there, who I'm still friends with. They said it's just it's not the most positive atmosphere. And while while the ten of us were at home, um, we we would still get the call ins on our phone for like working like overtime shifts because we're short ambulances. And at one point, they shut down uh, over like like Lethbridge. During the day, has eight ambulances, and they shut down two of them.
0: So, twenty five percent of their available ambulances were shut down.
1: Yeah, wow. And uh, we would get we like because we work fire and EMS, and we would often get like nine members, nine firefighters are required to work. Come check in at station one, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hmm, I know ten healthy firefighters right now who have worked for twenty one months in COVID. And yet we can't go to work like this is ridiculous. And, and yet the, the narrative continued at work. And, and I've been told that if I go back, I need to eat some humble pie and shut up Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of guys who just want to clock me in the face. See, that's, that's crazy to me. And that, that was kind of why it asked this
0: question was just to see, because a lot of what I'm worried about, and I'm actually trying to kind of write, um, a solo episode coming up soon but like where do we go from here because if like i'm with you if you're the ones who were fired who were ostracized who were told that you know despite the fact that you're healthy you've been going through 21 months of facing this on the front lines and but now all of a sudden you're not healthy enough to go i i agree with you like you you guys are the ones who are kind of owed an apology, but if, if nobody's willing to give it, and if in fact you guys are being demanded to give an apology for, for simply standing up for yourself and for, again, for uh, exercising the right to bodily autonomy, I don't know how we're going to move forward. And that's what kind of, it worries me the most, like, um, cause I mean, I've, I've friends even in, like particularly like, and again, I'm not, I'm not an emergency service worker. I'm not a frontline worker. You know, I'm in the trades. Uh, we've still been going strong through all of this, but like I have friendships that have broken down over being outspoken about this or over having an opinion on this. And I don't know how those are going to get rebuilt. Um, because again, like I I'm more than willing to have a discussion, but I don't think that I'm, the burden is on me to apologize. And I don't think the burden is on you to apologize. Like I don't, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I just, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. Like, what do you think?
1: Now that there's a lot of the, a lot of the narrative is cracking and a lot of the science is coming out like that massive 38 page document from Pfizer showing all the side effects, which is funny because like before all that came out, I, you could look on the Canada government website and see all the side effects for like the main side effects for each um, vaccine, like myocarditis, pericarditis were associated with. I believe is the MRNA one. And then, so like, even our Canadian government was acknowledging the side effects, but for some reason people didn't want to, people just blindly trusted the government. And I think, I think that's the problem with our society. We just blindly in Canada have just been trusting our government. And so now that more and more people are waking up, um, I think some people will, will humbly say like, okay, I was wrong. And for the ones that don't, but they understand the science has changed. I mean, hopefully they don't get bent out of shape when you say, I told you so, but I'm glad we can talk now. Let's talk more about, about the government overreach in other areas, like with, with bills like S 233. Um, the universal basic income bill that they want to bring forward. So I, I think going forward now, what, what, I, what I want to do and what I would recommend for Canadians is to build a community, be around people who, who oppose this kind of government overreach, who, you, who are open to discussion. And, and don't o- outright reject people that hold a different view be willing to talk to them, if and if they're not willing to talk to you, just wipe the dirt off your feet and move on. But even like like you, for example, you're moving, you're moving to Alberta. So I imagine it's because Alberta has more freedom. Alberta has more freedom. Fighters like the the people that were the head of the Ottawa uh, Freedom Rally, they were mostly Albertans, and. I think it it helps to get into areas where your MPs and your MLAs are are more in line with your conservative views and live in smaller communities. I think that's what we're going to need going forward, more small, knit communities that are dependent on one another and less dependent on the government. And that's why my friend and I, my best friend and I, he's a plumber, gas fitter, uh, we're opening up a company we just launched march 1st uh we're doing plumbing gas fitting and chimney sweeping for lethbridge area but also southern alberta and it's it's another it's another way of avoiding government overreach because i work for the city of lethbridge therefore i work for the government and they can kind of dictate what i do with my body And so they
0: they can dictate your terms of employment.
1: Exactly. So so I would say, even if people already are in this position where they work for the government, maybe start something small on the side, maybe go part time and do something on the side, like have, like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, like have other investments, like, because they can clearly like halt your, your bank account now yeah they made that very clear
0: (laughs) yes very clear
1: yes and Uh, now that those emergency powers because they they tried it and it worked that means they can do it whenever they want
0: so and i think that people don't understand that either that once you have once you have a rationale for for playing that out like when they if they can say that, you know, a bunch of bouncy castles and honking trucks was the reason to, to throw down the Emergency Act, like, that sets a standard now moving forward. And, I mean, that bar is so unbelievably low, it's not even funny. And, I don't know, I mean, I, like, I, I talked about it actually on a different podcast too, but I found it, I'll say one good thing about Trudeau, our Prime Minister, it's that he seems to be unfazed by any scandal. Nothing seems to stick to him. The guy's made of rubber because, I mean, even the way that he maneuvered out of the emergencies act was, you know, you started to see that the Senate was realistically probably going to overturn that act uh, within a day or two. And then he just he just ended it before they could end it for him. Like and so, you know, now it looks like, oh, yeah, you know, he just he just did what he had to do with it and then turned it off, you know put it back in the 48
1: hours later. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Put it back in the filing cabinet, saved it for next time. It's like, no, 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 no. If anybody was watching CPAC watching the Senate discussions that were going on and they had the power to overturn it, that thing was going to get overturned within the next 24 to 48 hours anyway. And that would have been a debacle because that would have set now a new standard for the Senate actually overturning a parliamentary approved um, bill or, or an, an emergencies act. So it was, I don't know. It, it was all interesting. It, I don't know. What a time to be alive in Canada, right? Like, I, yeah. I cannot believe that everything that's gone on. Um, but what, what you said was interesting to me as far as building those smaller communities and seeking out like-minded people, because uh, you're very right. I mean, it, I think it's, it's something that I'm, you know, it's it's awkward in conversations actually that, that I have, like some people don't really ask why I'm moving to Alberta because I think it's pretty, pretty clear why our family is, but um i mean on top of that it's obviously cost of living it's it's taxes it's it's everything right like bc uh, is is a little bit overboard you know it's always been known as bc bring cash it's expensive here yeah. because of a lot of a lot of the government and taxing and everything and it's been getting more and more horrendous as this whole pandemic's gone on and then you're right as far as just the, the um the scrapping of the mandates and everything much sooner i mean here technically it is now march 12th 2022 and we are still adding mandates in British Columbia to different fields and different jobs. And we, like what?
1: Like um, vaccine
0: mandates or mass yeah, mandates? Uh, vaccine mandates to chiropractors to um, what is it? Uh, chiropractors, reflexologists, uh, all, all those like that kind of more like um, almost naturopathic, like medical stuff. Um, all of those are now being brought under the umbrella. Now, we just had an announcement yesterday, or actually it would have been March 10th, two days ago, Thursday, that now those are put on pause for now. They're delayed, but they aren't scrapped. And just as of yesterday, our mask mandate was lifted for most indoor areas, but we still have the vaccine mandate in place for restaurants, any kind of entertainment, um, literally just, just about anything indoors other than if you're, if you're buying food, right? And I, I'm not talking about a restaurant, I'm talking about groceries, um really? uh, still yeah and now they're talking that it may so you
1: have to order your groceries since 2021
0: uh no we're still allowed to go inside to get groceries sorry i just i was clarifying because we can't go inside to eat food but we can go inside to okay. get food like groceries right um but but yeah, we still have that that vaccine mandate until at the very least, they're saying that they're going to talk about possibly removing it April 8th. And they're very particular on saying that it's not a for sure thing yet, as if there isn't enough ample evidence that the mandate and the passports do absolutely nothing to stop the spread. But yeah, no, man, BC is a joke. And that's 100% a lot of the reason why we're moving to Alberta, because I'm I'm not putting my kids through more of this. Uh, the mentality here is bananas to me. And um yeah, we're and we're not alone either. I've been talking to realtors across Alberta, and uh, they say that the influx of people coming in from Ontario and British Columbia specifically, and it started the second that Alberta announced the dropping of their rules, their their mandates, that all of a sudden it just started flooding in from both coasts, from the West and the East Coast. People are saying, I'm done with that. I'm moving to Alberta. I want somewhere where they actually respect individual rights and bodily autonomy. So it's been, it's interesting hearing from realtors that 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 flood is coming.
1: And uh, hopefully that gets um, more good voters in because of, uh, you know, we don't want the NDP to get power again. That'd be a terrible government.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially with with something like this. I mean, that's what we've got in BC and it's been... uh, It's been one tax after another, after another power grab, after another. It's just, yeah, it's been, uh, well, you you can look at the difference. I mean, we still have mandates. We just lifted our mask mandate yesterday. We still have vaccine mandates and they're getting added to professions here. So uh, there's definitely a difference between uh, the political or the provincial politicians and provincial political views. So that's, that's again, yeah, you, you, you nailed it right on the head as to a lot of why we're coming out there, but now looping back again to your, your personal story, because This is, again, something that you've obviously dealt with in hearing arguments against you, I've heard. But this idea that, you know, this is an extremely selfish stance or an ignorant stance to take. And yet you said it yourself. I mean, you're a paramedic. Um, You know, I mean, it's it's a pretty selfless job. Like you're there to help people. That's your entire goal. That's your your job's purpose is to help and save people. And yet even you are probably being labeled as selfish for your own personal choice on this. Like, how do you think people rationalize that? It's a lot of, it's a lot the same way, like this cognitive dissonance. It's, it's the same thing that I hear. Like I hear a lot of people who argue against uh, the government. They say that, you know, governments have become corrupt or that big corporations are corrupt. And yet these are the same people who are so fervently in favor of the government Um forcing a multinational corporation's product into you with zero liability coming back to the corporation. So I don't understand how you can have these differing viewpoints and hold them at the same time. Same with somebody who views you as a paramedic uh, of an extremely selfless job as being an incredibly selfish person. I don't understand how you can how you can make those two things work at the same time.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I really don't understand like I don't understand either because in listening, I actually only just recently listened to the Robert Malone um, interview with, um, Oh, on Rogan. Rogan. Yeah. Yep. yep. But that was from December 30th. I listened to it yesterday and it just blew me away that this man who has, he was saying something like 30 years of schooling over his whole career, just a ridiculous amount of schooling. He's an immu- immunologist, a vaccinologist. He has, like, I think some pathology expertise as well. Like, this, he had helped invent the mRNA. And yet, Joe Blow from Idaho, the guy who doesn't, who just follows mainstream media, watches CNN, CBC, whatever, he, he can go on Twitter. And tell Robert Malone that he's an idiot and he should get in line. And it's like you're not even willing to listen to the experts, but it, it it's when the government validify validates people's political views that it, it allows them to slander even professionals like Robert Malone even when they don't have any expertise. Like
0: <laughs> yeah. I I agree with great. you
1: it's Uh, like
0: trust the science as long as it's this side
1: science you know what i mean but (laughs) exactly it's so crazy we we've gotten so comfortable in the west to trusting the government because the west has always been free um except for the civil war they had in the states but we've always generally been free for the last hundred years or more so it can't happen here That's the mentality. It can't happen here. Our government can do no wrong. They want to help people. And and a lot of these things that the liberals, a lot of the bills that they put forward, they look good on the surface. They sound good. Like even the the latest S233 Universal Basic Income Bill, like it looks great. Just like the vaccine looked great. Like, oh, we're gonna save all these lives. Like the first one
0: just like bill I, c10 which is now c11 in the senate but yeah it's the same thing that yeah I'm sorry go ahead yeah
1: is that the uh censorship bill
0: yeah that's that one but it's under the idea of having cultural canadian content and being able to regulate right. and make sure that it gets it gets put out there but yeah they anyway i have yeah i have another one about that that's a provincial one that just happened but sorry go ahead
1: yeah we have enough protect we have enough of that uh like you can go on CBC and watch Canadian content. It's, yeah, there's yeah. obviously <laughs> undergirding that is obviously more nefarious intentions. And, and uh, they've you if you read enough of the bill, you can you can you can see the nefarious intention. It's just it's in very weird legal wording. So you have to kind of like read between the lines and it's it's terrible. But yeah, a lot of people. um just trust our government far too much and they don't think it can happen here they don't think that we can be like the next ussr because you know we're we're the we're a place of freedom but
0: i, I agree that people are way too ignorant and it's like we had talked about earlier that or not ignorant. Maybe that's not the best word, but maybe ignorant hopeful. Of history. ignorant of history for sure. Like, And that's why, again, people like your dad or like my old co-worker, people who've grown up and have a different personal experience in in relation to, to that, to actual authoritarian states that they grew up in. I think it's really important to listen to them, to see the parallels that they're drawing and yeah, I mean, as a, as a uh, sorry, an example of what you were talking about with these bills that look really good on the surface, but you know they've got this this underlay underneath them, with that you know it can reach out a lot further. We have one in BC right now that's just being introduced. It was originally kind of called colloquially the Netflix bill. It basically um, meant any online sales or big online companies are now going to have to pay provincial sales tax. So we obviously saw an increase in our online streaming services, the cost of those subscriptions, whatever. But it was specifically said that this is only going to target the big corporations. And it's not going to not going to have a a big impact on people. Well, now, because, again, we've had uh, deficits and spending out of control here for covid. So now they're using that exact same bill to now, you know, Facebook marketplace where people sell stuff. Well, now. They're putting it so that you have to charge PST on your own individual sales. So now they're they're using the same bill that was originally only designed for big corporations for Netflix for Disney for all these big streaming platforms. Well, now they actually activated that loophole that allows it to add wow. it to your individual sales of anything online. So it's
1: yeah, that but 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 people will
0: yeah, but people will look at this and be like, oh shucks, like well, I'm sure they wouldn't do that again. So let's vote in Bill C10. It's now called C11 or Bill or the 233 S 233 you were talking about, like there's sure they they promise one thing they're going to, of course they'll hold up to it just because they didn't, you know, any other time in history, they will this time. Like it, I don't understand people's naivete or, or just ignorance of, of what these bills are capable of doing and what they will almost surely be used to do.
1: Yeah. And that, and that's why they have oftentimes such general language because then they can do whatever they want with it later. Right. They can, suppress you in whatever manner and and mind you when when they were talking about covid early on in 2020 like the first maybe three if i'm generous four months uh march april may yeah probably three months march april may i was like okay whatever it's a virus it's like we had to gown up we were crazy in lethbridge we were so strict probably the most strict in the province like we had a decon center where we had hydrogen peroxide spray and every time we had a covid patient or somebody with respiratory issues even if they weren't covid we would like spray our whole ambulance for an hour we'd shower ourselves wash our clothes like even the way we took off our gloves had to be from the inside out so we didn't touch the like it was very rigid Mm -hmm. and i'll admit i was like kind of worried you know i was in the same boat Yeah. And then June rolls around and, you know, I think there was, it was, there was still lockdowns. It was still pretty strict. And then the BLM rallies started happening. Um, And then we had one in Lethbridge and all of a sudden the rules just go out the window. Like there were over a thousand people in like uh, in and around um, city hall including police officers. And some people are wearing masks. A lot of people weren't and they've got their arms around like the cops were on the stage with their arms around people, nobody's social distancing. And I'm just like, this doesn't seem consistent. Something, something's off here now it's okay. Right. And, and it, it kind of like most recently like we were sort of lifting mandates before the the war in Ukraine, but we still had them. But then all of a sudden the war in Ukraine happens. The next, the next virtue happens, the next distraction. So now COVID is kind of not spoken about, kind of obsolete. Now we're all focused on the war in Ukraine, just like when, with BLM, we all became focused on that. And then the rules kind of went out the window and it's just like, our society is so distracted and entertained by the next thing that we don't even think reasonably when we're 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 inconsistent with the rules that we were supporting
0: maybe you're right and and maybe that's that's what actually i i'm not saying maybe i i think you're completely right but you know maybe that has to do with this cognitive dissonance too where people can hold these two Completely diametrically opposed ideas together at the same time, like it. Um, it's really interesting to me, I mean,
1: conviction, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. And it's, yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's a wild time to be alive. Like, I'll say that it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, again, like I'm, I'm still kind of stuck on this idea now because it is clear, like you said, the way that, um, the narrative is shifting to Russia and. You know, I, I think, I don't think anybody's heard from Fauci and I don't know how long he's kind of, even in Canada, he's like, you know, he is the face of COVID as he says, I am the science. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, I'm just, I'm interested to see kind of where we go from here because to me, it it's still, you know, despite the fact that in BC, we still aren't out of this yet. And, you know, we keep getting the threat of oh, watch till fall, watch till fall. Like, I do think that we're, we're gradually moving forward onto the next, the next big story in the whatever the the narrative is but i um i'm i'm curious where we go from here like because the the number of personal relationships work relationships everything that have been just firebombed over this past 2 years um that's what i'm kind of most worried about and it's actually something that i'm i'm trying to find somebody with a completely differing view on everything that's happened over the past two years to come onto the podcast. And I'd like to just discuss them, discuss this with them when we have no, we have no personal history. So I don't know them. Like that's why I, I want it to be someone random that I don't actually know personally, but I'd, I'm curious how we can work forward, how, how any of us can start to rebuild this stuff because it just feels like so many of these relationships are completely pulverized at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good if you got somebody else who is opposed to it on your show because but the 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 thing is that's hard to find cuz a lot of people don't want to be open to these discussions especially on a public forum because they might they might be afraid of getting, you know, lambasted or insulted somehow um or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning is for people not wanting to discuss it. But it's like, even even the fact that I've been warned by some coworkers, if you go back, don't even talk about it. But it's like, I mean, I'm still fairly new at the fire department, three and a half years. And like the stuff guys talk about is so like, inappropriate a lot of the times that you're like, oh, you could never say this or like, Around the public, but yeah. I can't for some reason talk about this, which is deeply a personal conviction. Um, like we just need to brush it under the carpet, move on, like it never happened. If things go back to normal, they do. If we, if we go back in September and then all of a sudden all these, all these healthcare workers that the mandate has been lifted for have to get a vaccine again, then we're all at square one. So yeah. We should. This is when we should be the loudest. This is when we should talk about it the most because our democracy is is on the hinge of not being there anymore. And and Trudeau uses the word democracy more than he should because he doesn't mean democracy. He means the oligarchs at the top who tell you what to do, and you do, you need to obey us. That's democracy in his eyes. And. <laughs> yeah. We we need to stop listening to CBC. We need like a lot of older people. Unfortunately, they don't have use or they don't know how to use the internet. So a lot of them believe whatever they're being fed on CTV because at one point it was probably reliable, but now it's 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 compromised. I mean, Trudeau even admitted that he's bought out. The mainstream media, and so that they say whatever he needs them to say, and they're the propaganda arm of the government. So, well, if you want,
0: if you want some uh, optimistic viewpoint, there, there was actually just some polling done in the wake of the Freedom Convoy coverage, and um, public trust in the CBC, CTV, and the mainstream Canadian media has fallen to 35% amongst Canadians. So if you do want some optimism, there it is. Um, But I I think you're 100% right. I mean, when it it comes to this stuff, and this is something I've actually, I'm pretty happy that I've been preaching this since the beginning of COVID, or at least about three or four months in when, you know, everybody started to kind of see like, ah, shit, there's some stuff going on here underneath the scenes. Um, but you know, civil disobedience, it's nothing violent. It's nothing, um, crazy. It's not a, an absolutely revolutionary act. It's just something that you just say, no, you just don't follow along. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, if you're, if you're the person who works at a restaurant, you're the person who's seating people, who's greeting people when they come in and you just decide not to check for passports, you know, that's, just a little act of civil disobedience that goes a long way it signals to people you know like yeah this is this is dumb and it's your own little way that you can you can do something without needing it to be a revolutionary act because if if people just follow along with little acts of moral civil disobedience it never has to come to that point where it's a huge revolution where it's something something explodes some breaking point is reached you can if people just if people say enough and they just, you know, it's like, it's like these protests. It's like we have protests in BC uh, just about every weekend. We still have convoys that roll through BC every weekend. Um, just keep that up. Keep making noise. Just the little things to say, we will not tolerate this. And that's, if that voice gets loud enough, that's all it takes. It never has to reach that boiling point.
1: Yep. Yeah. Even, even masks, right? Like June of last year, I decided in public places other than work when I was on the ambulance or um, in a medical facility like but every other public place I just decided not to wear a mask and I found a lot more people confidently took theirs off when they saw me not wearing it and I did the same when I was wearing it and I saw someone else not wearing it like I would just take mine off just little acts of you know disobedience is is what uh is what will get us back to normal because at the end of the day they can pass bills and a lot of them might affect us tax-wise but but some of them you know if we some of them are just arbitrary laws that if we just don't comply they can't enforce it right like especially when there's no
0: moral imperative to it when it doesn't actually make sense like
1: yeah just just say no (laughs) and and i really hope that like with if bill s 233 gets passed and all these 17 and and older people who who have benefited off the the serb payments i i really hope that those people just say no and they're like no i i actually was kind of sick of being in my my parents' basement and playing video games for two years, I think I want to work like work is good work gives you motivation, it keeps away depression it actually you feel accomplished at the end of the day. you make more money than it, you, you would you, with just serve. like
0: it gives you purpose and the fact that you can yeah like i I agree with that don't get me started on that. If if you ever want to, we can do a whole nother episode on,
1: sure, on the value been of work. I'm going back to that, Bill, a little bit too much. Maybe no, it's it's fine. I've been listening to podcasts about it, but...
0: It's that... fine. I'm going to actually put more research into it because you have mentioned it a couple times. I'm going to look into that a lot more, but I'd, I'd be down to do a, a podcast with you just on the value of work because I oh, yeah. I love oh, that concept.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know what your religious views are, but In the Bible, it says, he who does not work does not eat. And that doesn't speak to like people who can't work. That speaks to people who just don't want to work. But if we pass bills like this, then we're just allowing people who don't want to work to eat. And we're allowing them to just like freeload because the government's now our parent. And that's what the last two years has shown us. Like, I'm the government. I'm your daddy. I know what's best for you stay in your room you're sick you stay here even if you're not sick you stay in your house um we're gonna take care of things and hey we'll give you some allowance too here's some money while you stay in your in your house and you don't leave oh and you got to wear a mask outside too because that makes sense and oh yeah you can't go to church you can't like that is not their role
0: yeah and generally i don't like to kind of project what could happen, because I just, I don't know, I, I don't know if there's any value in it. But now you're also looking at the same entity, who had no problem freezing people's bank accounts for, you know, again, voicing an opposing opinion. Well, now, you're essentially your provider, your not even employer in this case, but your provider, the person who directly hands you the money that sustains your life, can shut that off at any given time if you have a different view. So yeah. to me it it does not take a rocket scientist to put those two together and to realize that ah this might be a bad idea. Like maybe I do want some autonomous control even if they can freeze my account, you know, you can get paid in cash, you can do this or that like whatever, but maybe I do want some autonomous control from the government of my own life. And to me like that that alone makes a lot of sense, but yeah, man. I uh, I know that we're we've pushed up over an hour now, and I I told you I wouldn't take up too much of your time because I, <laughs> yeah, I just I want to be respectful of that. But I really appreciate you coming on, and I don't know if you want to mention whatever you want to mention. If you want to mention the the company that you've opened up, or um, a, a social media handle, or whatever. If there's anything you want to to mention here, I'll, I'll I'll pass the floor to you.
1: Sure. Yeah, I guess I could close with the company. So because of all this happening me being put on leave of absence without pay I was like well and the contract said I could be terminated by March it's still not the end of March yet even though they're lifting mandates this could all come back so my friend and I decided to open up this company and we just started at the beginning of this month it's kind of slow but that's normal and I am Basically, I'm going to be working as a paramedic, but also working as a plumber. And so I'm taking on a trade. And I and I hope, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting more skills. So um, if anybody is in southern Alberta, we are willing to drive if you need plumbing, chimney sweeping or gas fitting. Even if you're in the Crow's Nest Pass, Pincher Creek, even if you're in Calgary, Brooks, medicine hat like we will drive to you from Lethbridge. um but our website is www.soot sewer so that's s-o-o-t-n-s-e-w-e-r.com so yeah that's that's my plug there for you <laughs>
0: awesome well thanks man hopefully as this grows and and as you're uh, hopefully it can help grow your company too and i i wish you all the best of luck and You know, it's awesome to hear that you're kind of pivoting and moving into a new direction and you didn't get bogged down by everything because I know a lot of people, you know, broke to that pressure, right, that uh, they were coerced into getting into getting the vaccine or to denying their own personal, you know, choices, Um, but you didn't and I think that's inspiring and it's inspired a lot of other people and so. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And we'll definitely keep in contact because I feel like we could have a few more of these discussions in the future.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. We'll talk again soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. Just hang on the line here for a minute. I'll end the recording and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll get out of here. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did, and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.